All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Human. My name is Mark Champagne, and I'm your host, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we have an exciting guest, someone who is just flat out awesome, goes by the name of Jess, and she is the founder and CEO of Headbands of Hope, a company that donates headbands to kids with illnesses with every headband sold. Headbands of Hope has donated over 1 million headbands, I think 1.3 million at the time of this recording, which is incredible, reaching every single children's hospital in America and 22 countries. After starting her company, she wanted to use her ups and downs to help other women become valued as experts in the industry. And so in 2020, she started Prompted.io, the self-improvement platform delivering prompt pathways by world-renowned thought leaders. Jess is also the best-selling author of Chasing the Bright Side and creator of Mic Drop Workshops, an e-learning company that helps women tell and sell their stories as thought leaders. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are going to have a blast as we were jamming about before the before I hit record. I mean, there's just so many synergies with the the work that lights us up. And then now I think we're starting to realize too, the network, a shared network we have. And yeah. it's just always beautiful when you find your tribe, you know, when you're flown in the right direction. Totally. I couldn't agree more. And I knew from like the first touch point that you were you were that person. So I'm so glad that we could do oh, this. Amazing. Thank you. Well, first first question that everyone gets, and this is, you know, if we put aside the titles the work, the accomplishments, and all of that incredible stuff that we will get into in more detail. Just who are you? Who are you as a human? Oh my gosh, I love that question. Because someone once said, you know, like, who are you without saying what you do? And I think of that all the time, because so much of it's like, well, I'm the founder of this. And one thing I've been working really hard on over the past couple of years is like, is making the separation between like my self-worth and the outcomes of my work. And so this question is awesome because it's something I've been working on. And I guess who I am, um, I live in North Carolina, but I lived in an Airstream trailer with my husband and our 70-pound dog for about three years. We just got back a few months ago. From It started as a book tour and then we're like, this is actually an awesome way of life. And um, let's see, I love comedy. I love hiking. I love the outdoors. I love to write. And I love like any kind of game, you know, like cornhole, board games, you name it. I ping pong, I can get pretty dirty at ping pong. (laughs) Love it. I love it. (laughs) Were you, were you a funny kid growing up? Oh, yeah. I like was the one where I was like, everyone like come into the living room. I have a performance. I really like stepped up my game when I discovered that if I put people outside and I could hit the garage door button and it like come up like I'm on stage and like the curtains are rising, then that was the dramatic effect that I was really looking for. Um, But yeah, always an entertainer. I love it. Well, I, I ask that just because like anyone that listening and you'll, you'll hear it. I mean, you're probably already hearing it through just the start of the conversation. But if you go further and you jump into any of your work, I mean, even just the first page of your book, like I was dying. 
And I can, you you like, you really set the stage. I can only imagine, you know, if you're in the, I was online doing this, but if I'm standing in a bookstore, you know, the the classic contemplating whether you're going to buy the book, like you just, you lay it out right there in the most hilarious way. And it's just, you know, what I like about that is it's a beautiful mix of humor you know, mixed with, like, you're dealing with some pretty heavy topics, obviously, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to a lot of the work you're doing with with kids. Um, And then a lot of the stuff around just, you know, courage and optimism and self-worth and like all of that, like, those are all huge topics that can be heavy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like that, I I feel like it's that that balance that you bring to it, that it it makes it accessible and inviting for people to come in. Is that intentional or that just like happen? I think um, when I was first starting to speak and run my business and kind of step into this world, I thought I had to be serious. I because I I instead of saying like who is Jess, I was like who would a speaker be or what would a speaker mm. say or what would an entrepreneur say? And so I lost a little bit of myself in the beginning trying to impersonate who I wanted to be rather than being who I was. And then once, you know, I had some moments where I let myself come, you know, and just be me, which is humor, which is, you know, telling like stories where I've royally messed up. Mm-hmm. And that was what really kickstarted my career as a thought leader. And I think one of my favorite audience testimonials was if Brene Brown and Amy Schumer had a baby, it would be Jess Ekstrom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I'd take that. That's awesome. That's well, and so I think amazing. that, you know, we take, I feel like you probably have this perspective too, is like, especially in the self-help, self-improvement space where things can be so heavy and so serious, um, it, it doesn't have to be. And like improving yeah. yourself can be fun. And totally. it can be funny. And so uh, I, I try to bring that that light to it because that's my personal approach. For sure. Well, I mean, I, I obviously support that one as well. Like even a question like, who are you? I mean, that's a yeah. pretty loaded prompt. But I think like we, we, we dialogue in the sense that it doesn't have to be this crazy question, right? Yeah. Or like questions, at, you know, who do I want to become? I mean, that can be a fun process as well. It's like designing your life, right? Or to borrow some of your language, like writing that next chapter in your in your life. Like we all have that that power, right? There's a line mm-hmm. in the book that I pulled that I'd love for you to give some context or chat about. And it's, we, we shouldn't have to choose between making a living and making a difference. We can do both. I think it was from the book mm-hmm. or it could be somewhere else. I've got a whole bunch of quotes from you. But why, why don't yeah. you just share a little like, because that, to me, like wraps up a lot of the essence of, of your work. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there was a, a time when it was like a choice where you're either making a living or you're making a difference or you're making an impact or you're making an income. And it's also even in like the language that we use of like for-profit, non-profit. It's like, yeah. oh, well, non-profits are inherently good and they can't make money. But Headbands of Hope is a for-profit company with a social give-back model, you know, at its core. And so I really, um, you know, when I started Headbands of Hope and, you know, for every headband we sold, we, we donate one to a child with an illness. I found myself a little lost of like, where do I belong? Am I a nonprofit? Am I a for-profit? Am I good? Are we generating money? And, and should I talk about money? And I just 
realize that like, why the need to choose? And I think that our generation and, and companies are actually like going away from that model where it's not like if you're giving back, it's how you're giving back because yeah. our consumers now are like, want to know where their dollars are going, what's happening, who you're hiring, what products you're using, you know, how you're making them. And so I'm like, I think that we should be able to do both at once. And we should also own it. Like as a speaker, you know, you're making an impact and an income at the same time. And so I really just uh, want to show and be an example that like, you really just don't have to choose between making a living and making a difference. The goal is to find a lane where you can do both. So how did you find your lane? Like, how did it all start? Oh my gosh. Um, so it started in Disney World, actually. Everything um, starts in Disney of World. Of course. Yeah. Everything starts in Disney World. Most magical place on earth. <laughs> if you could cue like a little like Tinkerbell, you know, exactly. thing that would be great. Um, so it, it started in Disney World when I was a photo pass photographer. I was in college and they have something called the Disney College Program. And so uh, I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I'll go to Disney World for a semester and work. And uh, I was a photographer and uh, worked in Hollywood Studios and Magic Kingdom. I would like ride Space Mountain before I went into work. And uh, one of the, I got to take photos of people, you know, from all over the world on their trip. But my favorite thing that I got to do was I got to photograph kids that were there on their wish through the Make a Wish Foundation. Mm, yeah. And um, so I got back to school my sophomore year. I interned for Make a Wish. And that was when I really uh, saw that a lot of kids were losing their hair to chemotherapy and being offered like wigs or hats when a lot of them wanted to wear headbands. They really didn't, weren't concerned with covering up their heads. They just wanted to feel good about themselves. And so I call it like the dumbest, smartest moment of my life where I was like, oh, okay, no problem. I'll just make a business. You know, I had no idea what I was in for. So when I was like 19, I started Headbands of Hope. For every headband wow. sold, we donate one to a child with uh, with an illness. And um, it was a rocky road at the beginning, just like everything is. Um, but then, you know, one of the ways that I really felt uh, that I, that kind of started to get traction was I started speaking about the story of Headbands of Hope and how I got started. Before it was even successful, I would like hound my teachers and be like, hey, can I get up in front of the room and talk about Headbands of Hope? And I realized like it was a great form of marketing, but also just the the story in itself was a really cool product because it mm-hmm. showed people like, hey, if I could use a little bit of optimism and a little bit of grit to create something like this, what could you do if you trained your mind to do the same thing? Yeah. Um, so Headbands of Hope, uh, you know, is an amazing business. But the branch off of that was this career of thought leadership that I stepped into around year five of the business. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, when did it... Because you were in school and whatnot. <laughs> like, when did it flip into, like, this is what I'm going to do? You know, like, this is yeah. this is the journey. Well, you know, Headbands of Hope was my full-time job after graduation. I took that leap. And then um, I remember getting a email from Marshall University, like a year or two post-graduation. And they were like, we want you to come speak to our students. What do you charge? And I was like, hold the phone. Like, (laughs) charge? You know, like, you mean I, like, I would do this for free. And I was a terrible negotiator. And I said that. 
And I was like, why don't you just buy me dinner? And like, it'll be, it'll be great. And so that's exactly what they did. So I always say my first gig was for a slice of pepperoni pizza. (laughs) And um, so I went to Marshall University and I shared my story and then um, realized just like, also how few women are out there get, telling their stories as, and getting those keynote spots. Mm-hmm. And so eventually that's what led to mic drop workshop, um, which is helping women like land those, those keynote opportunities. But I think that, you know, wherever you're at in your career, um, trying to extract like your, the meaning from your moments is a really good lesson in thought leadership. So like digesting your day in like almost like a film lens and it's like what was like if you could freeze it on one frame like what is the moment and what is the meaning and like that's Mm. essentially what thought leadership is is extracting like the universal takeaway out of your unique experience totally i do want to go back to just that you know concept or or i guess you should say more so say situation of just, you know, buy me dinner type scenario, because I mean, I have felt that uh, as well. And like, there are some moments like that, even now with with some of the mental fitness, uh, like activations and and projects and stuff that I do where they'll they'll ask a question or a rate for something. And I'm like, I don't have a rate for that. I mean, (laughs) I guess I have to figure out what that what that's all about. But I mean, I feel like even before that, it's like, how do you and I'm sure you teach this in your in your your course, so maybe just like a little teaser, but like how do you step in with confidence to mm-hmm. like meet yourself first of all, like where you're at, where you feel confident, where you're not, you know, you're like, this is what I feel like I'm I can deliver and I'm worth at this point. And I can always go up, obviously, right? But just like you, you've got to feel confident mm-hmm. in what you're you're putting forward. Like, how did that whole journey evolve for you? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's it's something that has taken me years to be confident with. Um, there's actually this story that I find fascinating and it's about this like Chicago printing press, like way back in the day, it was the weekend before Christmas and one of their printing presses uh, failed and it wasn't working and they were going to have to like, you know, uh, lose all their ad dollars that they were getting. Cause it was mm-hmm. like the biggest paper of the year. And so they couldn't, they couldn't fix it. And they called in this man that had been retired that used to work there, this engineer. And um, he comes in and he looks at the press. He takes out a penny from his pocket, turns a screw one fourth of a turn with that penny. And he goes, the printing press will work now. And they were like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Send us your invoice. You know, this is wonderful. So he sends them over an invoice and it was for $10,000. And they were like, um, you were there for like five minutes. You know, how did, how are you charging us $10,000? Can you itemize this for us? So he sends them back an itemized receipt. $1 for turning the screw. $9,999 for knowing which screw to turn. And that is so much around, like encompasses so much of, of charging for services. Yeah, It's not going up there with a microphone for an hour of my time. It's going up there and knowing what to say during that hour of my time. And so once I kind of realized that it's like, Oh, I'm not selling like an hour experience. I'm 
charging for a livelihood. Because if you're good at your job, then you're, um, when they engage with you, it, it should be a before and after moment, you know, mm-hmm. for people like before Mark came, we were this after Mark came, we were this. And so that's essentially what you're selling is the transformation, not the experience. And so once I got clear on the transformation that I wanted to provide, like in that screw that I was turning, that's when the pitching process got easier because I knew I was good at it. And I think that when you can just say my fee is blank, you know, instead of being like, my fee is blank, but I, you know, really want to make this work. And I really, you know, just would let me know if this is manageable. Like, and you start negotiating against yourself. It's no longer a fee. Yeah, all the time. It, it's, and I used to do that all the time. I would say, let's like, just oh, make it work. Just, well, it's a, let's make a win-win. Da, da, da. And it, this happened the other day where, you know, we said, my fee is blank. And they said, um, you know, that's uh, that's out of our budget, you know, or something. And, and I just said, okay, well, I'd, I'd be happy to recommend other people within your budget. And they were like, oh, never mind. We can do that fee now. And so if you... It's the you would be amazed, like if you just held your guns, mm-hmm. what is possible. And and I just tell my students at Mike Drop Workshop, like when you put a dot 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 at the end of your fee, it's no longer a fee; it's a suggestion. Yeah, and we want to deliver fees, not suggestions. <laughs> so true. Yeah, your dot 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 means but conversation. But it's so easier said than done. I get, I my palms still get clammy no matter how long I've been doing this. <laughs> it's so true. Like I, I've, I've, I just resonate so so much because I feel like I've just kind of transitioned out of that and and still comes up. But like just looking at the email, you know, before sending it, rewritten, like okay, like if I were them, like what? How would I? <laughs> How would I interpret this? It's crazy. Like the mental bandwidth that we're like soaking up going through uh, this whole process when, you know what, like, damn, like we worked for this experience and and, Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And we do have value to to give uh, no matter what you're doing, right? And I I find, and I wonder if you get this too, is like, I get so exhausted, like, trying to interpret something for someone else or trying to like build a narrative in my head that like doesn't even exist. Like, well, what will they think if I feel yeah. strong at 15 and don't go down to 12 or what yeah. will they think? Well, reality is, is that's none of my business and quite frankly, out of my control. And so one of the things that I like to do in my head is whatever rate that I'm going to agree to I imagine like I'm in the middle of something, you know, I'm like writing my book or I'm spending time with my husband or I'm doing something. And all of a sudden it's time for me to leave, get on a plane and go do this gig for that amount of money. Would I be excited or would I be disappointed? Mm. And if I can kind of run through that scenario, because in the moment when it's like four months from now, you're like, of course, I'll go there and like spend 12 hours and be there and do everything for $5. And then when that time comes up, you're like, dang, why did I say yes to this? So if you can actually imagine the moment where you're going to be taken out of your life to go do the thing, then and if it feels good for that amount of money, great. If it doesn't, then hold true. Yeah. It's uh, so I love how you frame that up. And it it makes me think I was chatting with someone, someone you may know, Jerry Colonna. He's uh, 
startup coach and he's got a great book called Reboot and he's been on the show a couple of times and uh, he quite known in the venture capital space. Like he was in the dot-com era and, and is since doing more so coaching. But I remember I was chatting with him and there was a client uh, gig that came up and they're Australia, based in Australia and like things are, you know, we're going really well and stuff like that. And I'm like, I think, I think I get to go to Australia. Like I've never been like so jazzed. And he's like, I don't want to sound like your dad here, but you've got to think you're not, you know, even if you're going for two days, like for the workshop or whatever it is for two days, like plan a week. And like, what is that week worth to you? And forget, yeah. the emo- right. Forget the emotions of like, how cool would it be to, you know, go there and experience this? He's like, if you're going to do that, like tack on a vacation or something, but it's got to be, you know, kind of to your perspective, like think about what you're going to put down to go and, mm-hmm. d- and deliver that. And then it just, that, that's why I like your framing. It really just shifts the perspective and pulls yeah. you out of like the excitement of the, or the initial like, excitement of, of whatever it is. Right. Well, and I will say too, that m- makes me think um, of something else that I teach in my drop workshop that might be helpful for anyone is like, we, we create a scorecard of, of, a, of an opportunity. So Um, it has, you know, of course, like the monetary value, but also other things like, is it someplace fun, you know, that I want to go to? Is it for like a company that I would love to add to my client list? But, you know, also like for speakers, some other things that you can negotiate, you know, on top of like a monetary rate is, um, you know, like book sales. Like I know you have a book and, and a lot of times their speaker budget is different than their product budget. So they sure. might, you know, only be able to pay you 10k, but they can also buy 5k worth of books from their product budget. So um, yeah. if they can buy something of yours, but the ones that I think are really, really important that like you should include in your contract and your negotiations, no matter what, is a testimonial and then five referrals. So oh, I wow. always okay. include that in my in uh in my our negotiations and on our contract is like. If you're pleased with it at the, you know, at the end, within one week, we need like one testimonial and then five introductions to other events that could potentially benefit from hearing me speak. Um, And that has been a way that I've been able to grow my speaking business. And they are always more than happy to do it. But you got to tee them up with that ask. Otherwise, they won't even be thinking about it. Totally. Right away. I like the... I mean, I've, I've... I'm sure people could relate to the to the testimonials, but I think you really like layer, put the cherry on top with the five referrals, which yeah, essentially like that's what you're trying to get at anyway. Hopefully, right yeah. in, in some capacity. I love that. That's really smart. Um, I'd like to go back. You mentioned something at one point earlier on, just about the I guess like the mental stories and the narratives that that run in our mind. And I think we were probably talking about confidence and and showing up. Uh, confident in ourselves and, and so forth. But I know it's something that you talk about a, a lot as well around, you know, like almost like rewiring the messages that are are coming up in our in our heads. And I just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if there, and I'd like to link this with uh, your work with Prompted and, and prompts. Obviously, I'm a bit biased yeah. on good questions, <laughs> as you know. So, you know, like what, what, have, what have been some great prompts for you personally to help pause some of those internal loopy narratives that are like these New York Times bestselling author stories that feel so damn right. real, right? And yeah. 99% of the time are just pure fiction. Mm-hmm. One of the 
I guess it's a prompt, but it's also like an exercise that I really sure. like to do is audit what you're chasing right now. Like if you took one thing and anyone listening to this podcast can do this right now, do it with us. So if you took one thing that you're chasing and whether it's like professionally, personally, imagine that you got that thing, you know, whether it's like a award or a milestone or a Ted talk, whatever it might be. Imagine you got it, but no one knew it was you. You had to remove your name. There was no indication that it was Mark or that it was Jess. Okay. Would you still do it? Love it. Because so often, like, we chase something because I'm like, yeah, I want it to be like Jess Ektrom, recipient of 30 Mm -hmm. under 30, like, whatever. But then there's things that I do also in my work, like building prompted or mic drop workshop or, or even headbands of hope where I'm like, I know that even if my name wasn't attached to this, I'd still do it because I know that it's it's going to solve problems for people. Yeah. And so that's like a prompt that I'm like, would I still do this if no one knew it was me? And that's a really great way to do a little gut check. And I'm not saying that you should avoid doing anything that is like an achievement versus a, a success. I'm just saying that you shouldn't audit it because if like 80% of your task list is going towards achievements, then it might be time to kind of relook at at that. Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 50-minute opportunity to pause and think because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing you with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. Well, because eventually, and, and you you hear and and I mean you probably experience as I've experienced as well. Like eventually, that catches up, right? Like if you 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 get to this point where, like, oh well, like something's missing in like my soul with this this work. Like this is an uh, uncommon totally. story, right? So it's just uh, what I love about prompts in general. First, they they pause that autopilot of life, and, and then secondly, you know, start unpacking and clearing out the mental fog to like get clear mm-hmm. with with a question like that would i still do this if no one knew it was me i mean it's beautiful um what are some other prompts that that you turn to on a frequent basis or that you have been prompted and then please explain obviously what what prompting is all about yeah i would say um one prompt that i really enjoyed that was actually from prompted um my friend, uh, Kate Rose now wrote it. She's an awesome system strategist, but she said, you know, we always have heard the prompt, like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And she's like, I don't think that's as helpful as the reverse of like, what would you do if you knew that you were going to fail? Cause mm-hmm. the reality is most things will have failure attached yeah. to them in some way, shape or form especially when you're reaching because if they didn't, then everyone would do it. 
And so what are the things that you would still go after if you knew that the failures and the speed bumps and the mistakes were inevitable? And so instead of saying like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you do if you knew that you would? Because I know in every business that I've started, whether it's mic drop workshop, prompted or headbands of hope, it's taken longer than I thought. (laughs) It's been harder than I thought. And it's cost more than I thought. (laughs) Yep, pretty much. (laughs) And so I'm like, if all those things are true, and I still did it anyway, then like, what would you do if you knew that failure was inevitable? And um, so yeah, I would say that's one of my favorite prompts. But before I get into prompted, I want to hear what your your thoughts are on that one. Well, yeah, I love that one. And I like the I guess the part two of that one for me or the next sequence in, in that flow would be, when you when you identify what that what that is, then just asking, like, where do I win, regardless of of like if mm-hmm. if you know if this does fail, right? If we're, we're we're painting that that this you know has a high chance of of failing, I'm still doing it. Like, what am I getting out of this, right? Like, yeah, you know, like what's the what's like what is the angle of it where it's there is no failure there, right? Like, and it's usually mm-hmm. like you're learning, you're developing, and, and everything you just mentioned. Um, you know, with those examples. And I, I think the same thing with, with Kia or journaling app. I mean, it fina- I, I, whenever I talk about that, I, I only say it financially failed um, because in 80% of everything else around what that was, it succeeded. I mean, it's the only yeah. reason you and I are speaking, like the book is part from that, like everything. And, and I would say the ultimate accomplishment is that people, there, there were people and there continue to be people that are exposed to the power of questions and journaling, mm-hmm. right? And which is right. probably a good setup for prompted. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I love that we have this this passion, and uh, we're like the question committee over here. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you know we had similar ways at a, to arriving at it. Um, but for me, so I was you know during the pandemic, I you know, had my course, Mic Drop Workshop. And, um, you know, I was a little bit tired of answers, you know, like, this Mm -hmm. is what this, these are what millionaires do before you wake up in the morning, or like, these are like the five steps that you need to be happier. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to drink more water. And I need to meditate. And like, like, the, the laundry list of things that I needed to be to be a better person was like running out. And, uh, and and so I was like, I just feel like I already have so much information. What do, what if I could just pull out what I needed in that moment? And so I decided to just test that theory um, with Mic Drop Workshop. And instead of giving them a lesson of answers around what a keynote is, I gave them a series of 21 prompts, prompting them to build their keynote. And I said, okay, at the end of these 21 prompts, you'll have your keynote talk written if you answer each one of them. And they did it and they loved it. And they were like, what? I called it a keynote pathway. And they were like, what other pathways can you create? Like, can you create um, one for book writing? Can you create one for, you know, personal branding? And I'm like, holy guacamole. What if there was a way that we could teach people through prompts instead of giving them answers? And like as a way to extract what's already within them instead of feeding them more information where it's like an input output thing. Mm. And so I just kind of was noodling on it. And I was talking to some of my other friends who are also, you know, have a podcast or they're a coach or an entrepreneur or an author. 
And they all had a pathway idea. You know, one of my friends who's a a therapist that specializes in going through breakups, she's like, oh, I could create a, a pathway about getting over a breakup or having tough conversations. And then, you know, my friend who's a system strategist is like, well, I could create a pathway of like, what is uh, like auditing your time suckers, you know, and creating more time in your life. And so that's when things really started brewing. And I was like, what if we had an entire like marketplace of pathways from all these different experts that you could hit go on a particular topic, problem or area of interest and get prompts to arrive at that clarity or that outcome instead of digesting an article and a video Mm -hmm. and this and that. It's like, what if you just tried to get where you wanted to go through questions? So that's what we do at at Prompted. And I'm so glad that you have a pathway on there too. And everyone can try it um, and use the code HUMAN at prompted.io for one month free. So I'm curious to hear what you think. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes. I mean, you're speaking my language, obviously. You know, you say pathway, I say sequence of prompts, essentially, or the Socratic method, which is what that is, right? Like one question after the Interesting. Okay, I hadn't heard it like that. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, we're speaking the same language using different words, essentially. But it's, I mean, what I love about Prompted and, and how you described it, it's just, you know, like we all ask questions. It's just like, are we asking the right questions, right? It right. comes back to that screw analogy, right? Turning the screw yeah. in, the, in the printing press. Like, there's no shortage of questions. Everyone's doing that. But if you can at, ask the right question at the right time within the right context, mm-hmm. then that's where... When you need it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like, I, I mean, you saw it. It's, it's the only thing that's on the back of my book. It's that, what, you know, at any point, we're one question away from a completely different life or journey oh, or path, sure. right? So it's... Totally. Yeah. And it's it's there for us, like it's accessible. Yeah. Like this isn't like you you have to go on a month long silent retreat to you know to, <laughs> to get to these prompts. It's great if you can and 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 you know you want to experience that, but you don't. I guess my point is you don't have to wait for those big moments. Totally, it's one question, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next. Yeah, and I think that you hit the nail on the head where. Um, self-improvement was those month-long retreats or it was the 10k tony robbins seminar or you know in in i think that when we want to like learn something or we have a need um i'm not going to go hire a coach for 350 dollars an hour to help me like figure out this specialized topic and so i think that that's where I'm really excited about prompted is that you get access to all these different topics. Like for example, I had to have a tough business conversation, you know, a few weeks ago where um, I knew it wasn't going to be good. And I hate those conversations. I'm so like conflict avoidant. And I took a pathway um, on prompted about uh, navigating a tough conversation. Um, Mm. And it was, it helped me, before I went into it, figure out exactly what I, I, you know, what was the goal that I wanted to get out of it? You know, how did I want to articulate that goal? Um, where was I afraid of how they were going to react? And how can I release myself of that pressure of controlling their feelings? And it was like, the conversation went 10 times better, because I went into it, having gone through that, totally. that pathway. Yeah. Um, and so I really love that prompted 
is going to have the ability to kind of meet people where they are. And, uh, and, and that part really excites me and it, it, making it accessible rather than like, okay, well now I got to go hire a coach or do something, which yeah. is great. If you know something specific, you really want to dive into. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think like the other thing behind that is just like, then you're also in any situation, if you put in some of that prep work and, and have a path, you're also going into the situation more present, right? Like not stewing on all these things that you kind of work, worked your, you know, work those kinks out kind of in the, in the prep, right? Yeah. Like gone through that stuff. So then you're now when you're more present and this, this comes up in business all the time as well. It's like, if you're, whether in your sales or your customers, like instead of just being, you know, armed to like fire off the next question or answer their question, like, oh, they said that I'm going to go here. I mean, when you're prepared and you come in, you can actually pick up the nuggets that yeah. dropped, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, um, we're in a bit of a consumption overload to say the least. <laughs> of, it's like, Oh, well I got to read the news and then I got to do this and then I got to do that. And, and it's like so much input. Um, and then when I know for me, when I, I really like, I've been an, a, a journaler, but I found that when I had like a blank page, I would just write about my like fears or what I was afraid of, or mm, it was kind of yeah. negative. Yeah. And, um, so, and, and sometimes that's helpful, but I feel like having a guide that helps control like where I want to go with this and what I want to achieve by writing is what I was looking for um, when I started prompted and like, and also like personally and professionally, there's a lot of gratitude journals out there, which is great. But sometimes I'm like, no, I want to hit this presentation out of the park and I want a writer at Forbes to give me prompts that help me do that. Yeah. And so kind of appealing to the personal and professional development was something I couldn't really find either. Yeah. Yeah. It's like totally, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's like the advanced, I, I don't want to say advanced because it makes it sound like it's not accessible, but it's, it's moving past the surface, right? Like let's, let's just, yeah. Gratitude journals are a great example. I mean, I'm I'm super happy they're out there because they're at least exposing people to gratitude. And as you know, and right. I'm sure you practice, you, you know, gratitude prompts can flip you out of really many situations almost instantly. But and the caveat I think to all of that is, for the most part, it's the same questions, or the, I should say, the same answers. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my home, or this or that. Like it's the same kind of big level buckets. Whereas right. when you go down a pathway like you know, that people can expect and, and prompted, like you're going way past the surface and you're actually getting yeah. to some core of some things, right? Which yeah. Is so do you know, do you know your Enneagram number? I don't. I have it oh, somewhere. Okay. okay but, yeah. Well, if you do, or if anyone listening that knows our Enneagram number, one of the craziest pathways I took on prompted was um, through this Enneagram expert. Her name is Ashton Whitmoyer Ober. And she created a pathway for each Enneagram number and the prompts are designed to oh, wow. your Enneagram number. So I'm a three, which means I'm an achiever, which comes at a shocker to no one. <laughs> and it was like someone had tapped into my brain and was like, just go. I, I, it was insane. It felt like the, the pathway was built just for me. Um, yeah. And so if you know your Enneagram or Enneagram number, definitely go into prompted and take 
one of Ashton's pathways that that is connected to it because it is nuts. Gosh, I'm writing that down for myself. I am definitely yeah. going to be doing that. It reminds me, I did uh, earlier this year. I did some human design work, and it was it was like the same feeling, like, whoa. I mean, like you're in my head right now. I mean, everything, yeah. all of a sudden, <laughs> so much in life and circumstances just like made sense within a minute. I'm like, okay, and it just relieves, at least for me, so much mental pressure mm-hmm. to just be yeah. like, okay, that's that's okay. Like instead of me yeah. always pushing or being like met with resistance in certain areas, I'm like, well, that's, this seems to be why, right? So here's yeah. another path towards uh, a little bit more ease, let's just say. So what, what is that process, that like that process? What yeah. The human design. I mean, don't, don't quote me on this stuff, but, uh, cause I'm not an expert, but it really, it taps into, uh, chakras and it, it identifies like it's it's i would say this is where i hope people listeners and be like what he doesn't know what he's talking about but we're gonna roll with it i mean it's it's linked to chakras and the pathways in between and i mean to, to get started it, it basically you're 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 giving it's it's tapped into astrology so it's again like when you're born time date location and whatnot and then all of a sudden you know it spits out this this uh profile that shows like, okay, like you're more open in your heart or your throat chakra, or like in my case, like in terms of the work that I'm doing, communicating and podcasting, like this is the stuff that feels mm. like, you know, this is fun, doesn't feel like work, but it, it so aligns versus things that, um, like you hear this in the entrepreneur world all the time, like just, you just got to hustle and grind it out. I'm like, even though I'm an entrepreneur, like for me to just fire out cold emails as as much as I would know the recipes and stuff just does not work for me. Doesn't doesn't feel right. Like I have to wait for the invitation, which doesn't mean be lazy, but like to me, it's more mm. like create the content so that those invitations come. And it was that for me that the was the big unlock because you know yeah. when when times when you get you these are the my internal narratives like when times feel stressful or there's like financial stress be like okay i just need to hammer out you know this this and that yeah. type thing and yeah. just like make it happen with whereas now that i know this about like my profile that's the worst thing i could do you know i mm. it, it would be better i'd be better serve my time to just leverage the own mental fitness that i preach and calm it down and just be get get real dialed into you know, I don't writing another chapter for the book or bringing on some other guests for the podcast, then all of a sudden opportunities start to, to, to flow in and you see them. So and, and that's, that's personalized to, to what I've experienced so far, but it was just, yeah, it made me think of when you said like, oh, it's like you're in my head type thing. Like that was yeah. my exact experience. Oh, that's fascinating. I would love to, to do that. And what you were saying also made me think of like, uh, this next book that I'm working on, like one of the concepts within it, I think might resonate with you. And I've realized that like, I usually operate from two different types of ambition. It's either anxious ambition or inspired ambition. And yes. anxious ambition comes from when we're working because we feel like we're not doing enough or that we're not enough. And then inspired ambition comes from when we're working because we feel like we're making something better. And so there's those times like what you're talking about, where you're like frantically sending out emails or cold, you know, oh, yeah. I got to like finish this proposal and do this. And, and it's like, well, this person's ahead of me or how did they get this mm-hmm. talk show or, and that's where 
anxious ambition comes into play, but the work isn't as good as inspiring ambition. Totally. And anxious ambition will like you'll burn out 10 times faster than inspired ambition. But then there's those times where you're at your computer and you you're working on your book and all of a sudden you look up and it's been four hours because you've yeah. just been in this flow and that's inspired ambition. Totally. Well, and I think so. I mean, I feel like we're the same person when it comes to this stuff. Cause that really lands with me. Um, but it's, I guess what's, what's challenging at times is the, the, when you're in that anxious loop, you know, like you're trying, you're, you're trying to, for some sort of solution. And like, even if you know, like, okay, I need to step back and get into the more inspired ambition and write that next chapter, whatever it is. But there's, there's an element of patience there that I, I I find it's hard. It's hard to just like, okay, just, just let it be for a little bit. Even knowing that, like, I guess what I'm getting to is like, you really have to have the trust in the journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, I've, I've found it helpful to journal on that. And I, I call yeah. it like experience stacking, essentially, and just identifying those past experiences that went really well. And like, well, what were the commonalities? And you, for mm. me, usually they all link back to like that inspired ambitious, ambitious ambition. So yeah. um, like, I think we just need those reminders, right? Yeah, we need those reminders. And I think, you know, trusting the process for me looks like reminding myself of the endless winning scenarios that are possible because yes, like I have a tough time trusting the process because I I can be very outcome driven and it's like, but this thing isn't happening and we're not at like this goal. But when I realize that there's things that have happened in my life that were not a part of the plan that have been the best parts of my life, I realize that there's like this thing that I'm working on, like prompted. I have an idea for what it is going to be, but I also know that there's endless winning scenarios for prompted. Like there are so many different things that, that it could turn into and neither one of them is better or worse than the other. And so I think just like by not having such like fixed outcomes, which in the entrepreneur space is like taboo, (laughs) you know, you're supposed to be like, well, what's your five-year plan? What's your exit strategy? I'm like, I don't freaking know. I just know it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but which isn't confused with not doing anything. I think that's where like, right. the, where the bad rap comes from. It's like, oh yeah, you're just like manifesting that this no. is going to happen yeah. and not doing anything. And that's not the If case. I tell my investors that I'm manifesting, they're going to be like, get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I have a prompt that I've, uh, Someone I can't remember who left it on the show. Actually, was a speaker, uh, Josh Kaufman, I believe, um, that left this question that I found. I've journaled on quite a few times now. When I found myself going down that loop of, okay, well, like this isn't working or that's not working, and basically just you know digging a hole. And he's like, "What if everything went right?" Mm-hmm. And just journal on that prompt based on that situation. And I mean, first of all, it takes your mind out of that 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 negative looping pattern, but then also just primes your mind to see other avenues and puts your mind in this this like excited, ambitious state, essentially. Yeah. Uh, that you've been talking about, or a motivated state, and it takes minutes, right? Yeah. Like I do before I go to bed sometimes, and just go to go to bed just excited. Like to, to your point that. There are millions of, of different pathways to great outcomes, but we like 
hammer in or narrow in on like, this is definitely not going to work. Totally. I know that I was going to say, usually my lullaby is the opposite of like, how many ways am I going to be able to fail? Yeah, (laughs) right. What would that look like? Exactly. But like, just journaling about like, well, what would it look like if this went well, you know, it's like, it just opens up those doors. And then it probably gives you ideas too. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I mean, we're so I, I definitely need to start wrapping up here uh, from a time perspective, and I want to respect your time. And for anyone listening, we're I don't know whether this would be before or after Jess and I'll do a, an Instagram live at one point, and we can just keep, continue jamming on these on these prompts. So to to wrap up, though, I would love to just get a little bit more of an idea of your mental fitness rituals or routines, like the things that. Um, not to be prescriptive, but really just to give people yeah. like ideas on, oh, you know, that, that lands with me. Like I can try that. Like what are some of the non-negotiables mm-hmm. for you uh, to keep your mind, you know, healthy and thriving and process just that thing we call life? Yeah. Well, I think writing is, of course, yeah. so I won't get into that. But, um, and I would say like, um, not like a timed meditation, but an active continuous meditation of being aware of my thoughts throughout the day. And I used to get really upset when I would catch, when I would catch myself in a negative loop. I'm like, why am I, why am I being so negative? And there was a meditation, you know, instructor that told me, Oh, like, that's awesome that you caught yourself in that because that's what meditation is. It's not about like, removing all of your negative thoughts or your thoughts, it's noticing them. And so now I feel like my kind of hack that I do is like, whenever I catch myself in a negative thought, I'm not mad that I had the thought. I'm proud that I noticed it. And then I have the opportunity to, to change it, you know, or say, Oh yeah, I really am kind of being hard on myself like about this. And I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, And so just being aware of my thoughts as a continuous practice throughout my day has helped insane amounts, like m- more than any anything I've ever done before. And that started from just taking a meditation course. Okay, and I, But I won't say that I'm like the avid, like, you know, insight timer meditator. I'm sure. more just trying to have a hyper awareness throughout my day. Into so my how mind. do you do that though, Jess? Like, because obviously, you know, you've got a lot going on and <laughs> it's easy to just get pulled into work or other situations like do you have yeah like checkpoints or check-ins throughout the day to just like oh okay slow down and for the next i don't know hour i want to be really conscious of of what's yeah i think the only thing that i can say that i actively try to do is um limit my consumption so i can listen more um so like i used to you know i go walk my dog around the block you know a couple times throughout the day and I used to like, okay, I'm going to put in, you know, talk to my, put in my ear pods, talk to someone, listen to something. Totally. And instead I just do those, no phone, nothing. And so that way I can just like check in with my thoughts, notice if I've, I'm, I'm having any traps. Yeah. So that really, I think comes from being, finding moments of your day to be unplugged. Do you find yourself then outside of those walks, just like way more present and just uh, like seeing yeah. more details. Cause I, I've done something like, similar and I was like, Whoa. Yeah. I'm like, I never saw that this house was building an addition to it. Or I never noticed that these, you know, people have a dog or like, it's just crazy. The amount of things that you notice yeah. when you're not distracted. 
Yeah. Amazing. Oh, well, you are just amazing. I, I'm going to put links to all of your awesome work in the show notes. And is there anything else you can share on your, this book that you're writing, the next book? Like what can we maybe expect? And when is it, oh, do we yeah. know when it's coming? And I didn't know about so this. So still, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm telling you so that way I hold myself accountable to it. But um, <laughs> sure. I do have a, I do have a tween book coming out in November called Create Your Bright Ideas. And it's for Amazing. kids to learn entrepreneurship. So stay tuned for that. But this yeah. next book, I'm really trying to explore the idea of where our ambition towards the future meets our fulfillment in the present. And like, <sighs> if we keep delaying that like joy or fulfillment until we reach a destination, we're just yes. going to keep delaying it. So like, can we be fulfilled and ambitious at the same time? Is like what I'm trying to explore. So TBD. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, so we didn't touch on this, but I wrote this down that I saw, I don't know if this is a LinkedIn post, but you had wrote or wrote, yeah, you wrote once I achieve blank, yeah, then I can finally blank. And you say that's the national anthem for delay and joy. So I'm just going to leave people with that. Yeah. I feel like that's a per- <laughs> that's exactly that's what it. you're talking about. I can't wait exactly. to read it. I'm so, so grateful our our paths have crossed. And I look forward to the the journey unfolding and, and many more conversations, uh, Jess. And then just last question for you, just what makes you smile each day? <sighs> what makes me smile each day? Um, my husband and my dog, it's just... They're great. And no matter what's going on in my world with work, it's like just there's such constants. And so I love that. Well, thanks to your husband and your dog because they, they just put a <laughs> smile on my face as well. So <laughs> thank you again. And until next time. Thanks, Mark. 